still talk about the interesting stuff, but just steer towards problem solving. Yeah. I mean, the whole, you know, the music industry and I guess any artistic sort of form is, is always that negative, right? Because yep. it takes, you know... Not many people make it, but I like the idea of don't give up mm. because I like the idea that, um, you know, it's something that we say to, to artists as well. Yes. It's like, you know, hey, this isn't going to be a three-month thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. going to get picked up on a playlist and go, you know, for Africa and you're away. So Exactly. It's um, keep honing your craft. And well, we, we often talk about the old industry versus the new industry. And yeah. uh, a lot of the time... And I've done it too. We've talked about the old industry as if it was better and the new industry as if it was as if it's worse. Yeah. A lot of people who've been around a long time have also pointed out the old industry wasn't great either. No, no. <laughs> no. But you just saw all the ones that you know benefited yeah. from the old industry. Exactly. It's how history is written, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I and I'm really excited to talk to you because you're obviously <laughs> you're straddled both of those industries in many ways yeah because um, you started in a record store is that right yeah i actually started with bobby kennedy in a record store yeah in christchurch and um and that was from coming from not knowing what the hell i wanted to do for a job <laughs> yeah right and you know, no idea at all no no i i think i left well i left school and went did uh music composition course mm-hmm. in greymouth just because I enjoyed playing guitar. Right, cool, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love playing in bands and stuff like that and um, thought, oh, well, that's my next step. Mm. You know, no idea of a career and didn't care. Yeah. Um, didn't and, care. <laughs> and didn't care. <laughs> just weren't faced. Well, I was literally just trying to find where, not so much where the next party was, but, <laughs> well, you know, kind of like, well, how, you know, how how do I enjoy what I'm doing right now? Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, I grew up on a farm, so it wasn't like I was going to go, Okay, oh, I'm going to play guitar and stay on the farm and raise right. sheep. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So, because you're sort of not in the city, let's say, does that mean yeah, that you felt yeah. like it kind of is not possible anyway? So, whatever. Yeah, it was a massive part of just wanting to get out and and do music. Yeah, and not not exactly um, go and write music. It was more about the performer stuff. Mm. Like, look at me, look at me. You right. know. Yeah. Um, and that's because I grew up on a farm. I travelled 20Ks to get to school every day. Right, yeah. And there was a very limited friend group in the small town that we were based in. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was class clown at school because look at me, look at me. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so so that was the main thing. It's like, how do I get into a group of people that want to play some music and I can go to bars and mm. play and, you know, people can see me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and And you didn't get the bug when you started doing that? Um, you know, like, I mean, it starts off being for fun, but then did, you didn't think, well, actually, I could be, oh, you know, rich and famous. And uh, No, no, I never thought that because I always saw people that wrote music and yeah. wrote their own songs, and I just felt I could never do that. Really? I tried, and I didn't give it enough attention, I don't think. Right, yeah. But, you know, it's a running joke with, with Bob and other friends, <laughs> you know, that they are they're the musicians and I'm you know, just a guy that can play guitar. That's interesting. Because um, yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, for whatever reason, a reason I really genuinely don't know, um, I was fearless when it came to writing songs. And I, I think that's probably all you need is just the desire to do it and just to not, to not consider that you couldn't do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because no one's yeah. saying you have to write a good song. No, no. It's the critique, though. The yeah. critique on yourself is the biggest thing, and that right. you know, I would hammer myself, going, "No, that is that's terrible." Mm, oh yeah. no, look, you're copying that, you know, riff structure or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was it. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I can't, if only you'd known. That's what all songwriters do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> known what I know now. Gosh. And and I've even thought about that today, like going, "Oh, should I actually just start writing?" Because it's so much. Um, 
you know, software and stuff you can use to yeah. actually create something cool. You should. Because the great thing about writing is that it doesn't, I mean, no one even needs to hear it. It's just such a fulfilling thing yeah. to do, you know? Yeah. It's so satisfying. Five years from now, eh? It all started on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the other trick about songwriting is just writing a lot of songs. Yeah. You know, that's really the, 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 the art of it. You don't try and write the great song on the first song. You write yeah, thousands yeah. of songs. And, yeah, yeah. And that, th- you know, that's, that's, that's such a good thing to, yeah. um, to put across people. Eh? And, and that was something even Bobby, Bobby said to me. It was all about, you know, working your music muscle. Yeah, that's right. And your muscle will grow bigger and, you know, mm-hmm. better. And, and, um, you develop an instinct, you know, like um, clumsy rhymes and obvious chord changes and all that kind of stuff. You actually need to try them all out to get yeah. a feel for them. And then with experience, eventually you... You don't even think about it that hard. You just go, yeah, not that, this, you know, change, yeah, change yeah. this word, move that chord, you know, and yeah. you just get better and better at it. Yeah. And I think if you intellectualize it too much, you actually do kill it. So you need to just do it a lot to build it into your instincts. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And hopefully eventually it comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true for music in general, though. Like, I mean, people who say, I had a conversation with someone recently about this when they said, I have no musical bone in my body. I definitely could not play music. And I think that's absolutely incorrect. I yeah. think anybody can play music as long as they're able-bodied. Yeah. You know, in fact, I've, someone showed me a clip the other day of someone playing the guitar with their feet because they had no arms. You know, so yeah, yeah, even yeah. that's not a barrier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a passion to learn. Um, yes, I guess. And, and I, I mean, I got forced into guitar. Right. Um, well, you know, I loved music, but I got forced into guitar because my my stepfather at the time helped a guy fix his car because he was a mechanic, mm-hmm. and he fixed his car, and he said, "I've got no money." And he goes, "Well, what's your trade?" <laughs> He goes, well, I play guitar and I teach guitar. He goes, cool, teach my stepson. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> and that was awesome. So I mean, he goes, did you actually six want months. it though? Or was oh, it? I, was, I was, you know, keen as a, as a, what was I, 12. Right, yeah. Going, oh, yeah, it'd be good to learn guitar, mm. but not, you know, dying to, to get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so I, I went to this guy's house every Wednesday and, and he started teaching me. And after that, you know, when you cross that six month barrier on learning something, it might yep. be might have been three months for you, bro, because you've got to get guitarist. But, um, you know, and then you start doing your own thing, and yeah, and you can play pretty much any song that you put on the record, absolutely, yeah. record player, yeah, back in those days. Um, yeah, so that's how I, I got into that. But you're totally right about that, eh? Like when you start off, you're like everything's hard. Yeah. you can't do any. It's, it's pretty hard. Like yep. getting over that first hump is really important because yeah. then you've got a few chords that are easy, and now the next bunch of chords that are difficult it's okay but i can do the other ones yeah and you know you just got a bit going you, yeah. you've got some momentum so yeah. you're totally right when you get over that hump you're on your way yeah yeah and yeah. and you know we can say that to people wanting to learn guitar but mm. as soon as i think about trying to learn piano i'm like oh. <laughs> no, no way look these heads are doing completely different weird your things mindset flips yeah. back to the <laughs> yeah 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 it's like oh man so did you I actually kind of envy what you're saying about being a teenager without any great plans apart from like where's the party I was so stitched up with ambition that I almost forgot to be a teenager right in, in some way so I'm kind of envious of you how you describe yourself as being a little bit like well see what happens yeah yeah it was yeah I don't know why there was no well I think it was because of school there was nothing Nothing at school for me. Mm. I was a class clown, didn't learn anything, mm-hmm. um, and just, yeah, wanted to hang out with people because mm. I was so secluded, you know, growing up on the farm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I went to Greymouth. There was a, another mate going. We we went and did that. It was it was awesome course. I think I ended up, to be honest, getting kicked off it because I was smoking drugs all the time. And, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, I just went through that little rebellious phase of, yeah. like, oh, cool, everyone's doing this marijuana and it's great. And, um yeah so and then it was just playing in bars so i was in the independent youth benefit i think getting 120 dollars a week and then i was playing 
uh, two nights a week at, at a couple of pubs in Greymouth. Earning a bit from that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how far the tax implications go back if I do tell you what I was earning. <laughs> I'm, sure it's, comes I'm sure running. You've got, you're safe now, right? I mean, what's it, what oh, are we talking, 20, 20, 25 years or something? 25 years, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it should be all right. Yeah, so I think I think we're getting like $100 each a yep. night. Mm-hmm. You know, so four in the band, it was about 450 We paid for the PA, 50 bucks for the PA. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. doing two of those, that's 200 two bucks plus the 120 from the other thing. Yeah. I mean, that, you that could was live off great that. money. In the yeah. late 90s, you could live off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems crazy now, eh? You couldn't even do your shopping for that. No, no, no. <laughs> that is exactly my shopping bill. <laughs> yeah. Three kids. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So that was that was uh, a pretty good life. But after that, it was, you know, I met my first wife and we moved to Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who was like, right, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> And um, I thought, oh, crap, somebody's making me, you know. Someone's pushing me. Yeah, better do do something. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think I did a travel agent course and and did that, thinking Mm. that would be a good lifestyle to get into and didn't do anything with it and got into the music stores. And that's where I met Bob. Um, I can see the attraction, by the way, to the travel agent thing. I mean, cheap flights and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just get it right. But didn't realise how much it paid, which it pays nothing and probably still pays nothing today. Yeah. But, is that because um, people are so attracted to the job because of the cheap flights? Well, <laughs> they can pay it, them dirt. <laughs> it was something like a commission structure. So you, right, you know, okay. you've got to get, you know, your regular clients always, always travelling, and yeah. then, you're, then you're sweet. But mm. to get up to that stage, you're probably, I don't know, half of what a normal small wage should be. Right. <laughs> so, so how much yeah. was um, working the record store? How much was it like the movie High Fidelity? <laughs> That's the uh, fantasy, right? It is the fantasy, but the reality was. I think there was probably one store in Christchurch, which was Rickerton Mall, which was busy enough that it had that sort of high fidelity thing going right. on. Right, yeah. Uh, Bobby and I started in um, uh, St. Albans, which is just a small, it was a small store, um, older customer, you know, it had a few rest homes around the place, so we're, you know, selling some pan flute stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so nothing like high fidelity, but but. <laughs> Behind the counter, I think, yeah, we, you know, you meet like-minded people who probably as well don't know what they're doing, but right, really yeah. love music and work in a store. Um, and, you know, you have your jokes about what people are buying and people <laughs> walking through the front door and going, I know exactly what they want. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I worked as a bank teller once when before I became a full-time uh, Natural musician. progression, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And what I found really interesting was the discrepancy between people's appearance and their their um, yeah. the state of their finances when you when you punched in their details you got a bird's eye view on the screen of all of their whatever they had and their debt and whatever yeah and someone would walk in really well presented in a suit and the whole you know sort of thing yeah. and you'd open the screen you're like whoa they're in big trouble um and then some surfer guy'd walk in you know barefoot whatever you'd assume he had nothing and he's like super like organized yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it really taught me not to judge a book by its cover you know yeah um, so do you have that the equivalent on the record store like some like Hardcore dude walks in and buys like the soundtrack to Sound of Music. Yeah, you, you do. You do get that. You yeah. do get that. But you, ugh, quite often, you. I don't know. There's a wanky thing about a, a music store worker. Yeah. And um, you know, there's always that. Ah, oh, they didn't actually know what they wanted. If you were wrong, <laughs> it's like ah, oh, they don't know. Yeah. They should really be listening to this. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, I think everyone who started out working in the music stores, you know, would sort of think that way. Right. And it was sort of cultured across, um, and it became a real struggle later on to try and get people out of that. You know, as both Bobby and I sort of moved up the up the chain in that mm. um, to different positions, we were trying to lead the growth of the of the chain of stores. Yeah, and um, yeah, 
the the biggest challenge I think I had when it came to uh, what do we have? We had about two hundred and thirty staff across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, was just getting them to say hi. <laughs> it's <was laughs> massive. Like you know that whole stuck behind the counter sort of waiting. You know, yeah. filling in like you had to card every CD and put it in a drawer, right. and that was your big job. And like not even looking up and acknowledging a customer coming out was so. And I suppose a lot of would I, would I be right in saying a lot of the staff were attracted to that job because they're also musicians or into music or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that tends totally. to attract the introverted sort of weirder, yeah, 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 yeah. the characters. creative types. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me, <laughs> <laughs> I would also not like to say hi to a customer. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's, it, it, it's exactly that. It was all yeah. those all those people, and you get the odd sort of person who would have end up managing a store and they'd really try and push that customer service thing yeah um but just you know we even did a, a sort of internal campaign to you know reward people for saying i <laughs> you know just make sure you you know just walk out pretend you're putting away a cd and say hey how are you going right not even say hey what are you looking for it's like hey how are you going um but yeah it's still uh, you know amazing time yeah. like uh, you know growing up in that sort of environment and people are so cool everyone's different they're all sort of creative they've all got some weird journey that they're on and this is you know helping to well barely fund it i I do miss the culture of record stores you know i i I miss the idea of talking to the person behind the counter and then yeah. saying, no, 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 don't get that album. Get the, you know, pre-1973, they weren't any good. You had to, yeah. get, the, you have to get the 75 album or whatever. That sort of conversation, yeah. it was great, you know, and it opened you up to all sorts of stuff. Like if you didn't know anything about jazz, but you were interested, because yeah. when I was like 18 or something, I got really into jazz, but I didn't know where to start because I didn't grow up with any of it. So I had no point of reference. Um, and I found my way my way in through a couple of kind of strange <laughs> angles but you know often the it would be the person at the record store that would get me on the right one you know because yeah. if you start at bitches brew you're never going to like jazz yeah 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 yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know take a route down the drug scene for quite a long time probably. yeah exactly um yeah yeah that, and that that is a big thing even um you know we quite often would watch people come in the store and go oh i reckon they're gonna love this and mm. you put it on and then oh, they'll right. wander up to the counter and go, "Hey, what's this playing?" Wow, that's and cool! Like, it was such a good. I'm, I'm sure I sold. Bobby will, will tell you I didn't. But, um, it was something like four or five Finley, um, Quay, yeah, Maverick K Strike that album, mm-hmm. um, just based on playing a couple of tracks <laughs> off that, you know, in in the one go yeah. from different people, and it's like just hearing something amazing, yeah, and going, "Oh wow, what's that?" That's what I miss, yeah, right, music store thing. Um, I and haven't been into music stores in a long time. I probably went to I went to see Roger Marbeck mm-hmm. um, and pick up an old record that I knew that only he would have, and um, and it was cool. It was cool walking back in because his his shops the same. It's like you know, do you mean in the present? Yeah. Present day. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. So Roger Marbeck down at um, Queen Street. He's still sorry, no plug. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> no, that's all good. I, I'm pleased to hear he's still there. Yeah, I haven't he heard is, his name he for a while, and still a lot of those same old um, crowd that is working with him too. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, and that, it was yeah a bit of a moment walking in. They go, oh, cool. Yeah, record yeah. store. Yeah, this is cool. We went to the new Real Groovy store a couple of oh, weeks yeah. ago, yeah. and um, similar. I mean, you know, it was nice to just walk around, look at all the vinyl, and yeah, I bought a pile like this big, all for like did a, you a buck each? Kind of oh, thing, for, from the sales from the salesman. Yeah. Oh, not new. Jeez, this is <laughs> podcast making heaps of money. What's going on? How do I get yeah. into this business? No, new new vinyl's expensive, man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's huge. I think I was. Paid fifty dollars for this record. Uh, Rog gave me a little bit of a discount, but yeah, 
Yeah, it's going, man, they never would have paid that back in the day. <laughs> no, I'm really into finding random stuff. Like, I've, I've gotten much more into South American music recently. Oh, yeah. um, and I just basically went through the sales bin, knowing that no one else is probably going to buy this stuff. So, And I just found, like, all sorts of weird, um, like, guitar albums and choirs and... Um, um, it's yeah, just like anything South America, including up in Mexico, that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and I just bought. I, I've been playing it ever since. It's just the best music. I just in, in, wow. in love with South American music now. Some of it's really old as well, and it's yeah. all wobbly and and not recorded really well. But it's just super uplifting and fun to listen to. And and you're yeah. buying it. This sounds stupid, but you're buying it with the intention of you know just sticking it on, having a listen, and having a beer or coffee. Yeah. Or are you sort of like looking for hey, this is cool how they did this, or this is something different, oh, a, no, a musical I, venture that I've never sort of it's, uh, been b- through? Because I work in music, um, I don't always need to be listening to music when I'm not working. Yeah, I sort of get a bit overdosed with it. Yeah. Um, so I'm either just like listening to podcasts or nothing, or I'm listening to stuff that's miles away from what I do. Yeah. And so I've got a record player in the other room, and I've got speakers in the other room, plus spe- it's wired up to speakers in the kitchen as well. So we just will often put a random album on, and we'll just be... You know, oh, on cool. a Sunday, the music will just be That's around great. the house, you know. Yeah. And um, it'll be some beautiful, um, you know, Argentinian, um, you know, 1970s fusion yeah. album or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know that um, there's that really cool feeling of doing that? Yeah. And I don't know, when you hear it, you go, I worked hard to find this or, you know, mm. I, I miraculously found this in a store or whatever. And that's the thing that you just don't get, I, I feel, yeah. from sticking your spotify on or something like that yes so you know the the record i went to buy by the way it was an old record that i already knew it was mm. crosby stills nash and young um deja vu which isn't <clears throat> um it's very hard to find right and i, I grew up on that album yeah and it was yeah. just and putting that on and just you know have you heard the debates down. that have been going on in the scientific world about whether or not we have free will whether free will is an illusion or not. Pretty heavy subject. Ooh. I haven't, I haven't, I stay away from all that. Do you know what I do? I, <laughs> I, why is that? No, no, no. I, not, not for any reason that it's not interesting to me. Right, it's more right. about, um, God, I just don't have the time to fall into the rabbit holes. Mm. And um, and the other thing is, I've got Bobby Kennedy who will give me a bullet point of what's going on, right? Bobby's good at rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. yeah, he could go right, he could go through them for nights. We lived together for a long time and yeah. it's like, man, he can stay in his room for three days. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not taking us into it properly, but it's, it, it's, uh, relevant here we go. it's relevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> but there, are, some people are arguing that free will is more of an illusion because we're so influenced by everything around yeah. us yeah. Um, at, at you know every level that when we're making a decision, it feels like we're making a decision, but the decision was arguably already made. Yeah. And if, if the same thing played over and over and over, we would always make the same decision, you know? Yeah. Um, which is the more you hear them argue it, I'm not sure if I did very well just then, but the no, more no, you no, hear yeah. smart people talk about it, um, the more you kind of go, oh, yeah, maybe I don't have free will. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I just feel like I do. Um, uh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and yeah, you, you can sort of get it straight away. Yeah. And that, and that whole idea of going into a, a music store and buying, finding something. Mm. You know, when, when you when you go shopping physically anyway, you are sort of being 
pushed things is yes. you know, sort of merchandising and marketing tactics to get you to buy whatever. But yes, yeah, nothing like yes. what happens online. Plus everything that you, all the conversations you've had recently and people you've seen and you, you haven't, it's not on a conscious level, but you saw someone wearing, a, you know, a cool jacket and yeah. or something or what, whatever it was. And it, and it then informs you to make a decision when you walk into that store. But one of the, the reason why I brought that up is because one of the examples they use were algorithms and how algorithms... Um, they don't expand your experience, they actually narrow your experience because the algorithms are saying, this is what you seem to like, here's more of it. Uh, And and they're actually arguing that's a version of us losing our free will even more. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're supposed to see that as like, oh, it's really helpful that's suggesting other things I'm going to like. But actually what is limiting your experience is because pre-streaming, how did we find new music pre-streaming? It was... People we knew usually, right? Saying, check this out. Yeah, you did. Or you <clears throat> it was pushed pretty hard through the TV. You yes. Know, that was, they, were, they were marketing it to you, but nothing like what's available today. Right. So it was your friend or yeah. your peers or somebody at work was saying, have you listened to that And that could be anything. Album? Like when yeah. my mum told me, have you heard of the, this guitar player who can make his guitar talk? And if she was, of course, telling me about Peter Frampton. Yeah. I don't think Spotify would have told me that. <laughs> When I was like... Talking guitar guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but how do you cross genres and yes. you know, listen to something else? Like, it, it's, yeah, it is really interesting. It's interesting being, like, doing what I'm doing at the moment, mm. and, and that is we're listening to everything that comes through because it all goes through my personal Spotify, and so I'm listening to every song from every genre that comes through our... What, everything that DRM puts out, you actually listen to? Oh, yeah, I try. I really, really, really try. That must be insane <laughs> amounts of music. It's it's a huge amount. Um, Do you listen and, to your record? No, not yet. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that too. So not everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a big pile of stuff, and basically I've got, you know, we've got playlists and stuff that we do, and... yeah. Um, you know, disco pages that we've got to get through. And I've just come back from holiday, so that's yeah, right, my excuse. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Three, three weeks away. <laughs> um, must listen to. Um, yeah, but, that, but the, you know, on the on the algorithm side of things, that's mm. quite good because it doesn't really – I mean, it will still hone in. These algorithms are pretty tight, right? But, yeah. you know, I've, I still get sort of forced into a little peg hole, but it's, there's other bits and pieces going on from what I do listen to. Yeah. What I, what I – the whole free will thing, you're totally right. The um, you know, not not on music, but um, on things like you know, I've, I've gone down YouTube rabbit holes a lot, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's really interesting finding the whole. I'm, I'm somehow pitched to them as a slightly right wing. Oh, really? Um, which <laughs> how did you do that? Well, I, th- I think it was through. I probably watched a fair bit of Jordan Peterson. Oh my god! And then that we got to talk about that. <laughs> oh mate, I, yeah, I watched a lot, but then it yeah. starts throwing me everything else. So right. it's like Ben yeah. Shapiro and and watching this whole, um, you know, this is like a buzzword, but you know the whole Trump scenario. <laughs> yeah. Over time, and you know, I was watching that. Going, oh my god, this guy! What the hell? You yeah. know, back in when he first took office. Yeah. Um, and then. You, you can feel all the stuff being pushed at you. Mm. It's going, oh, okay, maybe he's not so bad. You even in your head going, maybe he's not so bad. And then you click out of it and go, what the hell? <laughs> just listen to this other bit that he's just done. But, you know, the algorithm is, you know, yeah. honing in and going, oh, this guy likes a bit more of this stuff over here. So he's probably that sort of supporter. Yep. Um, so I've noticed yeah. that too. My partner keeps putting Paw Patrol on for our daughter. Oh, and yeah. That, and then we just get all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, God damn. <laughs> in what, the middle up, of Paw Patrol? It's like, boat Trump. <laughs> Right wing Paw Patrol, bloody cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, what do you think of Jordan Peterson? 
Yeah, I t- God, we are we are getting away from the music stuff, but um, this podcast tends to be quite disorientated. Um, I don't know. I'm unashamedly really supportive of what he does, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's um, yeah, I think just a real voice for what does he say? A real voice for you know young men and mm. and you know where they where. <laughs> Not not being beaten down by whatever's happening in society today, but um, you know how they can sort of think about where they can go and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, tackles heaps of issues now that he's you know sort of an expert around the world on mm. talking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know I, I listened to quite a lot of his stuff and and not. I mean, I tried to read um, his book, The Twelve Rules, and just got no. This is too deep for me and. Right. I'm not smart enough to, to actually, <laughs> you know, get as much out of this. I'll just go back to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Paw Patrol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, no, no, I, I, I really enjoy all the stuff. That, the way he tackles it all, like yeah. it's smart and sophisticated. He's not, he's not having a go at the person. He's having a go at why the person's trying to pull him into some, you know, sound soundbite that they're trying to get out of him and stuff right. like that. So. Yeah. A very smart guy. He's got a good message, and mm. you know he knows how to get it across and fight people that might not agree with him. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have mixed feelings on him. I mean, I I can see his appeal. I find him really interesting because I can see the appeal. Yeah. And the ideas that he came out with first that I think launched him really were that kind of uh, what was the book called again? Twelve steps to something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or twelve rules for life. Or twelve something. rules for life. Yeah. Um, and the idea that get your get your affairs in order make your bed, tidy your room, you know, that sort of stuff, which is, you know, it's kind of common sense. Yeah. But it has sort of been forgotten a bit by modern generations, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's probably more our grandparents that were really good at that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It so, was. I, I remember a time in my life when I was in Greymouth mm. and, you know, it was partying and drugs and all that sort of stuff. And um, I remember coming back at 2 a.m. in the morning to my room and it was a pit. Right. I said, man, I've just got to change. And I cleaned my whole room up yeah, and, yeah. like, you know, folded everything in drawers. And Sometimes when I feel overwhelmed at work, you know, you just those days was like, oh, there's so many things to do and I don't know where to start. Yeah. I'll actually just carve out half an hour or so and just organize everything, tidy yeah. up my desk, make lists, put things in sort of priority yeah. order and that sort of stuff. And actually taking, when you're really busy, taking that time out and getting things sort of organized it makes the whole day go better you know yeah, yeah, yeah. It, gives, it gives you a different sense of like peace and ease yeah. Yeah. it's like you take the seven to-do lists that you've written over the last you know four weeks and haven't completed them all right consolidate them That's into right. one start again <laughs> yeah exactly um, if you've got a clear bird's eye over everything you tend to be calmer about it i think yeah yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I lose Jordan Peterson on a couple of things. Um, I've watched a lot of debates with him with people like Sam Harris, which are pretty frustrating to watch. <laughs> and oh, um, yeah, They are frustrating. Yeah, they're frustrating. I, I think he has a good message, Jordan, has a good message on a lot of things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. Like, There are some worrying statistics out there now about young men not really knowing how to be in the world and rates of depression and all sorts of stuff, um, because obviously they're not really in the conversation in so many ways which is you know these days it's not even saying that is almost controversial right? yeah i know yeah. i know um, i feel my you know yeah you could you're, you're, you're up tensing up like, shit, oh, we're talking about this a sniper or something <laughs> <laughs> um but you know i mean the, the stats are real and and yeah. you know that's the thing i mean i know that there are other important issues that need to be talked through um but these are still people that are alive and need to figure out their place in the world. So I can yeah. see why Jordan Peterson's message resonates with them. Yeah. Um, what I don't like about him is that I think 
somebody who's looking for uh, any kind of answer or what or clarity or whatever should be simplifying their point rather yeah. than filling it up with more words. It should be taking the acronyms and the big words out and yeah. making it accessible, which is one of the reasons why Richard Dawkins was so successful with the um, um, Selfish Gene, his famous book, yeah. because he made it understandable to the public. It wasn't just written for scientists. Yeah. Um, and when you see Jordan debating Sam Harris, and Sam's really good at like breaking things down to like, so the summary is, boom, 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 boom. And Jordan starts then talking for like three hours. Yeah. With lots yeah. Of, and you just, and I, when you well, said it. Well, it's not that it, easy. It's yeah, exactly. It's not that <laughs> Like, do you believe in God? Well, it depends what you mean by yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. You know, what there is, is God? What 17, I, I'd have to talk for three and a half hours to explain what, <laughs> no, 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 that's the wrong way. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. so I actually yeah. just fundamentally disagree with his um, style of reasoning. Yeah. And when you said before that it gets a bit deep, I don't know if it gets deep or if it just gets lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It's, yeah. And, you know, what I was saying about the book, it's absolutely to your point. Yeah. If he, um, particularly the, the, you know, the group that he's trying to get to as well, mm. like, I mean, I feel I'm okay and smart and stuff, smart enough. Right. Smart enough to read a book. But yeah. that was, um, yeah, that was too much. I wasn't, wasn't getting the message out of it. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, if I'm not, not that I'm above anybody, but if it's, uh, if it's pretty hard to read, um, then yeah, I, I think people are going to struggle, and, and that's exactly. actually to your point. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's a good good observation. <laughs> Auckland guitar lessons are ideal for both beginners and experienced players. The lessons are focused towards learning good technique while having fun and enjoying the experience. Lessons are one-on-one -on -one and individually adapted to the student's personal goals and musical preferences. All the fundamentals of technique and theory are covered within the context of songs, which helps people progress faster and makes the experience more enjoyable. If you've always dreamed of playing the guitar, or if you've been playing the guitar for a while and you feel like you've plateaued, Auckland Guitar Lessons can help unlock your playing, renew your confidence and drive, and help you make significant progress. Visit aucklandguitarlessons.co.nz and email them at info at aucklandguitarlessons.co.nz. That's become a big part of my character because um, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, I had no idea how to get into musical, how the business worked or anything like that. Um, and I left school pretty early and, and I was just sort of in the world, not knowing what to do. Yeah. And um, so a, a large part of my life has become about... Um, not only problem solving and working things out and whatever, but it's also been um, trying to understand what's going on. Uh, and the music industry is a pretty confusing place. Yeah. And um, I think there's there's interesting, there's dynamics in the music industry which are unique to the music industry. One of them being that we have romanticized ideas of the business when we come up as musicians. Yeah. And we perhaps have read books and watched documentaries about what it was like in the 60s or something. Yeah. And those representations are never 100% accurate, but it's also no longer the 60s. Yeah. And so we come into a modern version of whenever we start in the business, trying to operate as if it's like 30 years earlier, you know, instead yeah. of the more normal kind of business approach in any industry would be to go into it just objectively and just look at the numbers and look at the opportunities and that kind of stuff, right? And just yeah. sort of react to your environment. But we tend to run into the music industry with all of these ideas. And then one by one, our ideas get knocked around because half yeah. of them aren't based on anything. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's the, I mean, also artists are generally quite creative and sort of 
want to shy away from looking at. Uh, There's a big generalisation, by the way. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, <clears throat> but they shy away from that side of things. It mm. would be taken care by, you know, whether it's my label or my um, manager or something like that. Or mm. if it's just me, then I'll put it through DistroKid or something like that, and it'll all happen. Yeah, and I'll focus on making really good creative. Um, but yeah, if you came into it like you're saying, going, I, I think you'd have much more realistic view on where you're going to be in a year two years five years right, etc yeah. rather than being and, the, and then you're not in the <clears throat> don't give up world because <laughs> you're actually on track with whatever the plan you had in your head was yeah um yeah it's it's so hard seeing people because they put so much into it you mm. know and it's it's your creative art getting into a form where people can hear it see it and then um you know it's cost a lot of money yep in, in a lot of cases and then it gets out there and it's no one's listening. Right. No one's seeing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's really hard. Yeah. But if you knew, okay, it's going to be like that. It's not yeah. like the 60s. Um, you know, did you ever see that Frank, was it Frank Zappa doing that interview? And he was just talking about how he loved when it was just the fat cat at the label. And he'd just go, yeah, I'm listening to it. I don't know if anyone's going to like it. Let's just throw it out there and see what happens. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, and then he was saying when the young, you know, hippies came in and they started listening to stuff and go, no, the kids won't like that. He's right. like, ah, oh, this industry's bugger. There is a lot of speculation and assumption made from artists. Like, I think about, I think you're right, by the way. I think that it's not natural for a creative person to be also business-minded yeah. um, like that. I think there are plenty of examples of people who are like that. But I think... One of the reasons, though, is that they actually genuinely don't know the way forward. And yeah. and maybe there isn't a way forward. I, I wonder whether, is there a way forward that these people don't realize? Or is there not a way forward and they just need to accept that and figure out a different model for their careers? Oh, is there a way forward? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, so a young artist who's worked hard and sunk money into their project has now put their album out and is outplaying shows and so on. Yeah. Um, what should they realistically expect to achieve by putting their music on streaming apps? Should they see it as a lost leader? Or is there some other legitimate um, it's, goal there? Well, it's it's kind of the... Um, I don't know. There's, there's different musicians that get into it, uh, you know, where, okay, we're, we're going to record it, we're going to put it on there, and, mm. and, you know, hopefully it does what it does, but I love getting out there and playing my music live and all that, and that's what I'm keen on doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of them are, again, generalization. Most of them are, uh, wanting to stick it out onto Spotify. Everyone mm. says Spotify, even though there's, yeah, hundreds of other. Yeah. Spotify represents platforms. like 400 platforms. Or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thus Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, stick it on there and, you know, they're hoping that somebody hears it and goes, yeah, this is awesome. And mm. then that, that triggers off that whole effect of, of, um, bringing in some money, but it's, um, you know, there's a what is it, 120,000 tracks going up every day now. Is that right? Which is just hundred. Yeah. Is that global? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, you know, so there's a lot of being lost in the in the weeds going yeah. on, yeah. Um, like never before, right? Mm. Is there anything real in the idea that a track will be discovered? I mean, I know that playlists are a big thing these days, which I've never even looked into, but um, the idea that a song gets added to a playlist and suddenly it takes off is this just like winning the lottery or is this actually no it's in in some cases like there's there's playlists that you know people get put onto there's there's a new music friday playlist that is on spotify that everyone gets excited about mm -hmm. um and they're generally not 
that great. You know, there might be, um, you might get a few streams off that, but then next week it's on to the next week's releases. Right. Um, the the ones that are really interesting is where you get a playlist that um, is either it's genre specific or usually genre specific. Mm. Um, and it might not even have a lot of followers compared to, you know, some of the big Spotify ones, but they're really dedicated listeners. Okay, yeah. And, um, you know, we've had things happen where... Um, uh, some radio guy in the US would have heard something on some weird little playlist that mm. he was a part of, and then he did a little um, spiel on it right. in his YouTube channel, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that tracks up to a million streams now, which are probably an amazing track, mm. but probably wouldn't have got there without that. Yeah, And that yeah. was all hit from, you know, just probably seeing it on a small a small genre-based playlist that wasn't a Spotify one. I like that idea of, of um, a, a proper interactive audience rather than big numbers. Yeah. Because when you go, oh, this playlist has got millions and millions of followers or whatever it might have, yeah. versus this one that's got a much smaller amount, but they're actually into what you're doing and it actually connects, you know? Yeah. Because um, yeah. that's the other um, thing I've thought about with someone who says, I've had a million streams on my single. Obviously, we know that that doesn't pay as much as some people might think. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, the other thing is, and I've argued this a lot in the podcast, what does this convert to? Because if those million people are spread around the world, it's not like you can tour that. You know, no, you've no, got no, like no. five people in Russia and no. three, three people in the Philippines. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so on. Yeah. Like, I mean, the that's where the old business made more sense in some ways because if you were able to focus on Hamilton and build up a bit of a buzz there, and go there and play a small venue, and then next time play a slightly bigger venue, and so on. And you sort of conquer Hamilton, and then you go right next stop, you know, Tauranga or something. Yeah. And you go and do the work there, and you you start to progressively make a name for yourself around the country. Yeah. And no one in Russia knows you, but that's okay because you're not in Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yeah. that it was it was sort of more logical. Yeah. There's some weird, really weird stuff that happens geographically. Mm. Like like you say, if you get a million streams, yeah, it's all over the world, and some random people have picked it up. Mm. Um, great that you got a million streams, but yeah, you can't tour with that. The um, the there's still the same sort of basis as the old industry, where you know people say do well in your home territory and that yeah. will grow, mm. and um, and that's it's kind of what's almost been mandated in a way by um, by streaming platforms, where they almost geographically lock you into playlists that are. Oh. in your geographic oh, is that and, right? and New Zealand artists get locked into a sort of Aussie New Zealand type geographic anyway is that also affected by what they're suggesting to whoever they're going to su- we're, we're likely to get more stuff in from terms Australia. of the algorithm that, yeah algorithmic push to, to yeah. people um, no I, th- I think they say no okay. um, because and it shouldn't be right yeah it should be like oh somebody you know the algorithm says this person will like this it shouldn't matter whether they're in Poland or totally yeah or um, Hamilton yeah um but yeah, in terms of your playlist, where everybody, you know, hoping to get some playlist action, which would give them a bit of a boost, yeah, mm. that kind of gets geographically locked. Interesting. So, you know, you'll have American playlists that Spotify run that, you know, have, you know, a million or two million followers, right? So you get a song on there. Yeah. Um, and we've had some artists get tracks on there and they're like, yeah, that does give you a big boost. Mm. Um, but it's very rare that they do get onto those. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you sort of see it from both ways. Spotify's point of view is like, how the hell do they get 120,000 tracks onto, you know, various playlists across the world? But yeah, every they, day. they've kind of had to take some structure to it, right? So yeah. it's a bit more geographical, and that's it, that is harking back to the old days. It's like you know, record labels do well in your home territory, and then mm. 
it'll start growing from there. Yeah. When I yeah. talked about, when I mentioned the, um, you don't make as much money as you think you do from Spotify or from the streaming apps, you kind of flinched a bit. What, what was the flinch because of? Oh, I was just reading that story this morning about... Um, oh, the recent changes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've just come back from holiday, so I was just reading through a bunch of um, of Billboard stuff. And yeah, that, right. was, that was interesting. The amount of tracks that they said were doing under a thousand streams. Mm. It was, this is the whole premise was, you know, they're not going to pay up for... Um, tracks that have either you know done under a thousand streams, yeah. Um, which you know is, in my view, kind mm-hmm. of good, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and and the amount of tracks that there were was oh, I can't even remember the number, but it was way more than I thought it would be. I yeah, I, I read the article and I do you remember the number? It was huge. The number of ineligible. Yeah. Um, well, I think they. I think it was a percentage, wasn't it? Wasn't it like ten percent? Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, don't quote me though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I skimmed the article a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that under a thousand streams is not real money anyway, so it sort of doesn't matter if artists get, aren't getting paid for that. Yeah, because um, you're arguing over like such a minute amount of cents that it doesn't. Who cares? You know, um, if that frees up an amount of money to go towards the people who are getting more traction, that does make sense to me. Although I don't know if I'm going to agree with that statement in a fortnight when I've had more time to think about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> but where I, is that money going to go? Well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have a feeling on that? Well, you know, there's obviously all those big, amazing top artists right in the world. Yeah. Um, that have the majority of the streaming. Um, it, it's it's so hard to, you know, point and go, oh, this is what they should be doing because hmm. it is such a fast-changing... And I'm, I'm not even trying to appease... Spotify mm. it's just I look at it from both ways like you I want to try and work out things yeah. and how they work and right. why they do things and you you got to take it from two angles mm. and go well they're doing it because of this they're receiving it because of this and it's like um, yeah I'm not sure what Spotify could be doing differently if they mm. compartmentalise that money and it only went to you know yeah. up, and, up and coming or something like that like that would be really cool well it's worth mentioning that I mean Jay-Z started um, title right yeah with the intention of making the better version but then it didn't work yeah i mean i use title i really like it um as a platform but it, it's not that much better than um any of the other ones i think they pay slightly more um yeah but they but not enough to really celebrate and yeah. it didn't it just didn't seem like it was a, su- a successful venture I've, i can't remember who it was but i did hear some like economist or someone who had reviewed the the whole Spotify model and said it's just it's just not possible for this thing to be that much different because to get people to 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 pay artists the sort of amount that they'd think was fair the subscription fee to Spotify would be enormous yeah yeah <laughs> and I'm I'm not entirely sure if you know I mean I'm not the economist so I don't know if that's true because there are obviously people making huge amounts of money and Spotify turn over massive amounts of money so you go well if they're turning over billions of dollars or whatever the number is just made that up um surely we could just spread that around but then again like you say 120,000 songs a day being uploaded yeah that spreads around pretty thin yeah yeah eventually it, right it's a huge amount huge amount and I wonder whether that just means we have because we're obviously not going to take the streaming platforms out of the culture now because it's here to, they're here to stay I think yeah um, so do we now sensibly just have to go at, at, this is where we are it's it could get a bit better um, but it's not going to become better enough to change our business models so do we just see it as a loss leader and hey if it works out and we get a massive amount of clicks and it turns into a bit of money that's a nice bonus but let's steer our 
business models in other directions. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. do you think that's right? Well, I, I think that's what, you know, people in New Zealand are, are doing. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, it may bring in some money one day and that's great, mm-hmm. but the idea is that I'll be on Spotify, I'll start getting a bunch of, you know, they're more worried about, um, sorry, less worried about money and more worried about having the numbers on there. Right. Because, you know, if your goal is to get with a spe- specific label overseas eventually or something like that, mm. um, then, you know, that's all they do is look at your Spotify profile. How right. many followers, what countries, how many streams for that song. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the big thing. If you're trying to profile yourself for success with, you know, something bigger mm. overseas later, then that's how you're trying to do it. And that, and that in itself raises new questions as well. What's the relevance of record companies these days? And I'm not saying they're completely irrelevant, but they're not relevant to as many artists as um, some might think, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't think I would particularly benefit from having a record deal at this point. Um, <laughs> no. Because I, I feel like where record labels are at their best is probably in the pop world, um, launching the, you know, the younger sort of upcoming yeah. um, pop artists. For someone more like my age who's doing more of the kind of jazz, funk, rock sort of thing, um, that's just not what they're looking for, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's probably, I mean, you know, the guys that I work with, um, I don't think anyone involved is interested in the least in a record deal because we're just like, well, let's, you know, treat this like a lost leader and go and play shows and we, we make money playing shows. So um, that's our business model, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and we've recorded. We, we are we are able to record a lot cheaper these days because the band happens to be made up of basically producers. Yeah. <laughs> so <Right. clears> I don't know how twenty year old bands do it, um, but we have the luxury of being able to pull on our experience and the gear we have and things. Yeah. Um, but um, do you agree with that statement that record companies, perhaps in the past, were way more relevant right across the board, but now that they they only really seem to be worth it if you're the next potential Ed Sheeran or something. Yeah, I mean, the reason why they're obviously so relevant in the past is because they were the marketing drive for right. people to hear your music. And you don't, anyway, yeah. you, you don't actually need that anymore because no. you've got all these social platforms. You've got TikTok, which is a massive, you know, if you can get some traction on that with mm. whatever your brand is, um, then that's huge for your music. Um, I mean, Spotify is a marketing platform as well. You're getting pushed. Your song is hopefully getting pushed to people that wouldn't have heard it otherwise so you can make all that stuff happen i think the relevance of a and and i, I always look at record labels a bit differently i've got you've got the big majors mm-hmm. and then you've got all these cool stuff all the indies yeah indies yeah. and stuff right and that's actually where i could exist the indies. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah totally. that, that's i wasn't really referring to them before yeah but those guys are great yeah. yeah 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 i mean the the major ones um and they're still here in new zealand as well yep um i mean yeah they, they've got small rosters mm. Um, I think Sony just Sony recently cut their roster and and lost five or six, seven artists or something like that, okay. and probably only got that many now that they they work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like you say if you're a big the next Ed Sheeran, then maybe that record label is the way to go. That mm. um, you couldn't really major. have a you couldn't build a career like even half of what he's done without having a big team behind you like that, right? Or if we talk locally, like Lord, her success, well, which well, was... Sharon was interesting, though, wasn't he? he was, I don't actually know his beginning story. Wasn't he picked up by Jamie Foxx? Like, Is that right? Well, Jamie Foxx got him into you know a bunch of people at a party at his house or something like right. that. Just listen to this guy and listen to this guy. I think he, he it was a Graham Norton piece, and he was telling him about it. It's right. really, really good, but mm. I don't know if that was the very, very start, but 
but, but, but at least to get up to triggered a bunch of things yeah, yeah yeah and then it was yeah all on from there um yeah. lord uh yeah i mean she's obviously what we always refer to in terms of new zealand day is yep. such a huge success yeah um but again and and that's cool but it's not like that could have happened if she was just on her own doing it putting stuff out on you know online like you'd have to have the team behind you right yeah although you could get to a certain level now Mm. i think and then you'll have record labels scrambling over you to pick you up yeah and there's been a couple of cases that recently as well i Um, think though why i'm referring to her in that context is because i don't as far as i understand there wasn't that step with her no she was launched her yeah they, they launched her yeah um and i think it was her and Joel yep. right, producing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, eh? Given Joel's background, a good night nurse, and I know, <laughs> you wouldn't have expected it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they recently just put out a, another single the Did other they? Day as well. Yeah. All oh, right. But uh, and he's been hugely successful, right? He's yeah. produced so many big artists now. I think he's been more successful, isn't he? <laughs> wow. He's like had billions and billions and billions of plays across all of the artists. He's yeah, yeah. When you look at that, yeah. those figures, eh? Yes. Yeah. Because didn't he do Taylor Swift as well, and yeah, a few other people. Yeah, uh, but there's a massive list underneath those big artists as well right. for other people who works with and the stuff it's it's pretty incredible <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's very rare that that's going to happen i think um we've, we've just had a particular art not we but new zealand mm. there was a artist recently that had a track and that was just going viral mm-hmm. and this was a kind of done at home type track and mm-hmm. it went a bit viral and they got picked up by a record company overseas mm-hmm. with nothing but one or two tracks yeah and um big big money yeah, and um, signed up for a few years and all that sort of stuff. Are we going to expect to hear about that soon, or? Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually nothing to do with our with with what I work and I just right. yeah. I think everybody in the industry just knows about these things as they come out. But I remember um, <clears throat> I went into a record store in about. 96 or 97 once I finish the story you might be able to tell me when it was um, but I walked into a record store I was buying something and I walked up to the counter on, on the counter there was some uh, pile of bumper stickers and on the bumper stickers it said the feelers oh yeah and I and no one knew who they were and I looked at them, the feelers like what does that mean and I said to the guy what's the feelers and he goes oh they're a band um, um, they're coming they've got an album coming out and by I think he said by next week or by two weeks from now they'll be at number one he just sort of stated it matter-of-factly. And I was like, what? How do you know? And he goes, hey, trust me. Yeah. And, um, and I, just, I just walked out of the store kind of puzzled by this whole thing. Like, why would you call a band The Feelers? Like, we're so used to the name now. Yeah. Pretty weird name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, <laughs> let's, it is. let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but how did this guy know? It was gonna, and sure enough, he was right. Like, yeah. like a week, what was their first single? Was it Pressure Man? Oh, was it Pressure Man? Yeah, probably was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing them play the first time and just went, holy shit, this is wicked. But yeah. do you think that that guy was full of it? Or do you think that he actually knew it was about to no, this get is, that high? No, this is, back, back, in the, back in the old days, <laughs> um, you know, the, if there was a push from a, a major label in New Zealand, then they had reps everywhere. Yeah. So there was reps in, in Christchurch and, and all that. That would be their main um, thing mm. for... You know, it might be two months of pushing. And they'd be out around at every record store. They'd be talking to the head officers. They'd be, you know, offering deals to get as much records and onto shelves and mm-hmm. placement. They'd be at radio, you know, doing all the, like, similar stuff happens today, but nothing in terms of the retail um, presence. Right. And um, I'm, and I'm not saying this about the feelers, but also <laughs> back in the day there would be some, you know, 
slight manipulation of the charts as well where yes. they could mm. not um do you, do you mean like a story i heard a few years ago where um this is probably my story to bob to you is it no oh, okay, i don't cool. think so no no actually no 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 um i'm not obviously not going to say who it is but um i i am close to a pretty well-known band from back in the day and they did a show and a reunion show that didn't go so well and i said why didn't it go so well didn't you have fans from back in the day and the answer was not directly from the band but from someone who knew them really well who said they didn't really ever have fans the record company um did a paper trail thing and they basically bought all the albums back oh right so yeah, that, and i don't even know stuff. if the albums like left the, the warehouse yeah but you know they did the paperwork so we sold the albums and then we went and bought them back and i go why on earth would they do that they'd lose money right um they went yeah but the amount of money they lost was lower than the marketing budget they would have needed to have spent yeah to, to get the album yeah. up into the charts like that and i was like shut up that didn't happen and that <laughs> person i was talking to who again i won't name but they are um a trustworthy industry person yeah um said you'd be surprised it actually happened a lot <laughs> yeah yeah just all of that stuff i mean again like a local um record label would be if they're going to spend so much money and they do they have to show a position for it yeah. because they got a report overseas going cool we spent this and look we got them to number one that's great right well done yeah and then did all those sell through retail no but we didn't take them back yeah we gave a whole bunch of free cds of something else and they can mark that stuff down right 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 yeah so there was all those little <clears throat> plays to and, and, and am I right in thinking that the charts back then were based on albums going from the wholesaler to the retailer not from the retailer to the customer uh, no, no, it was re- retail. They took down retail figures. So we, in every individual store, at one point, when I first started, we were writing down how many we had sold for the week okay. and faxing them <laughs> back to the charts. I had to place. think for a second, what's a fax? Like? Yeah, yeah, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, faxing them back. So, yeah. um, you know, and that was happening every week. And that's where you've got, I don't know how many record stores were there, probably 200 um oh the warehouse was 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 quite a big big player for a bit there too so yeah but you know individual store managers writing down figures mm. so you had industry reps out there going do you want a six pack of beers or what to bump the figures yeah really and so and would they would they try to do it sort of legitimately or would they just like add a zero to the figure no, in some cases it was no it was <laughs> right. just bump them up yeah and then all of a sudden people that and hey i might have bumped up a figure at one point in my life um 25 years ago guys <laughs> yeah. but um statute of limitations <laughs> but you, you would almost it would, it would be like a trend right so one rep would do it and some stores would do it and it would make an impact and then all the other reps would find out for the other companies they'd start doing it make a trend build up yeah by the end of it though you get to sort of six months of doing that and the retail store itself had been bumping up figures for so long mm. they were doing astronomical numbers on their um, <laughs> charts like, like we should have been you know but like, how do they uh, uh, com- um, uh, get that to sync with the stock take I mean did they literally I don't know if they did bump the numbers and throw the CDs out or like no 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 because that's uh, the charts go off to an independent right right so New Zealand charts run the charts etc so we were just putting them on bits of paper that were faxed off and thrown out oh, and so our stock was our checked. stock and right, it was right. all stock taked and stuff and yeah and did albums when you'd go into those stores and see a, a cd for two dollars or something because they were just clearing it out yeah. did that also go against the charts the sales stuff uh, i think there was a an amount that it had to sell for okay but if you'd initially sold stuff in and then you know over the six months we'd been 
you know, fiddling yeah. the charts or, or whatever, then, you know, that number had already sort of passed through, even though there was still 10,000 sitting around the place. Right. Why not subscribe? It'll make your life better. There was a long delay, wasn't there, before um, the charting world started to actually take digital um, activity yeah, into yeah. account. So I, I left the industry at that point. I, yeah. I'd been at the CD store. Um, we had 35 stores for about 10 years mm. and went overseas and just got into something completely different. Yeah. And um, Cartel. Cartel. Drug cartel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. you got to try it, things, you know. You made gotta, it, well, you it's just, yeah. I just want to see how it works. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's much more lucrative. Yeah. Have you got there? <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, and then when I came back, I, I mean, I did corporate jobs for a while, and then this came up with DRM, which is the company I work at now. And, right. And... Um, you know, coming back into that, going, oh wow, this chance is completely different. But do you think it's fairer these days? I mean, again, we always talk about the old industry like it was better. But if there was a bit of rigging and manipulation going on in the old days, is because now it's digital? Is it more honest? Do you think? Uh yeah, yeah. It's it's very clean in yep. terms of the numbers coming through are from, you know, platforms themselves, etc. Right. So yeah. you know, there's no manipulation of them. Yep. Um, and I like the idea that if you sell some physical stuff, then you know they've made a multiplier that that makes that number, you know, relevant to streaming in a way. Oh, so, do they really? So yeah, yeah, you sell. Um, it's like a currency, like a different values of currency. Yeah, yeah. You know, which one, is cool. One album sale is worth a bazillion. <laughs> I can't remember what the number is actually, right. um, but yeah, and and so it's done done quite well. It means if you. Um, release something and you know does does pretty well streaming, but you happen to sell you know five hundred um, records yep. in that week, then that will go to towards your charts and right, yeah. you know big ups to you because selling five hundred records is yeah hard to do. These does days, it even right? happen these days? Oh yeah, yeah, it it, it I mean, does. I guess the, it's the not very often. Artists would probably, eh? yeah, yeah, but even locals. Um, I'm trying to think. Tom Scott mm-hmm. from um, Evandale Bowling Club. Um, yeah, I mean, it sells a bunch of records as soon as it comes out. So there's right. demand there, but just the fact that somebody wants to buy something physically yeah. on day one of release—that's mm. cool that it still exists. I forgot a question I was going to ask before. Actually, um, the, the something I've often thought about and talked about on the show is that the a lot of the music industry is geared toward towards pop music, um, uh, in the sense that you know that's where most of the attention and celebration and interest and investment and blah 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 goes into pop music right um but a lot of the, a lot of people along the way have argued that other genres have actually performed better like for example like country music has always yeah. had a thriving audience and and an older audience so more inclined to buy physical copies and so on yeah um perhaps this point was true in the past i don't know if it is now do you have a point of view on that oh it was definitely you know in the past yeah um uh there would be albums coming out that were definitely suited to older demographic and yeah they had the cash right right um, so these days I don't, I don't really know how much physical sells, you yeah. know, in terms well, what of... what about just on streaming as well? <clears throat> or is it just all over the map now? Because your numbers are so, um, you know, like, like I'm looking at numbers every week of everything in yeah. the world in terms of, you know, what our artists have, have done. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's so hard to peg a genre and go, oh, that does really well right. out the gate rather than over time or something like that. I suppose genre actually as an idea has fallen apart a bit, hasn't it? Because everything's sort of crossover and yeah, 
what's really cool now is the experimentation of music i think and caring less about genre right and all those weird jobs man i came back from you know doing corporate jobs into this and went the hell is this genre like you know <laughs> funk and all this sort of stuff yeah. there's some weird genres made up that i had to have a really good listen to some of the music and go okay i kind of understand what that means that but, is great i've never loved the idea of genre i mean when i think back to when music and especially rock and roll was really growing and thriving in 50s 60s 70s um it obviously i wasn't alive then but it seems like genre just wasn't even considered yeah. people were just trying stuff and yeah. that's why it just kept changing and moving and so on yeah, yeah i yeah. think genre is something that applies in a record store when you go which department do we put this one in um but when you're actually right standing there with the band writing or recording i think thinking genre is a horrible idea yeah, yeah it would be yeah because yeah. i think you need to be thinking what what's going to make the song cool you know what's yeah. going to best serve the music unless i guess you're trying to strategically put something together for a certain purpose but if you're just a band you should just forget all of that stuff and just write and just create right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but of course everybody labels you into something right exactly like we all have to kind of label into something yeah um whatever your you know your hard work and the band's hard work of putting something together and not caring about genre right everyone in the industry then goes and labels it into something right <laughs> even when you meet people and they go what kind of music do you play and yeah yeah, yeah. and and i mean as much as you good go, music uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> bad music <laughs> but i mean also you um you 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 initially think it's kind of honorable or or cool to be between genres or outside of genres i, I actually still think that's cool because I, yeah. I think it, i think it sort of validates the art a little bit like if it's harder to describe it's probably more interesting yeah. however um, we live in a world where everything basically is some version of branding and marketing and, you know, you've got to have your thing, right? Your angle. You've got to make it easy and palatable for the audience to grasp and understand and go, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what that is. I'm going to listen to it or buy a ticket or whatever it is. Yeah. And if the if the poster says, well, it's a mix of rock, funk, jazz, pop, industrial, blues, you know, something, <laughs> something, 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 something like that. Um, or if you have some really airy, fairy description of it, you tend to read the first bit and just glaze over yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just go, I don't know what that is. Yeah. But if it's like punk rock band, be there at eight, got it, yeah. you know? So so the world kind of requires you to, to stick it in a box like that. Yeah, but you kind of need a byline, right? You yes. need a byline for everything. Right. And as long as you've just got a, you know, because this is how people recommend, hey, something I heard last week was blah, blah, blah. Right. What does it sound like? And yeah. they say, oh, it's a bit like blah, blah, blah. As, as long as you can get that byline really crisp and yeah you know you're not just going oh it's yeah sounds like the Foo Fighters well you have a brand whether you like it or not right yeah I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was in a band <laughs> yeah, I was in a band a long time ago I was probably like 20 or something we had a saxophonist a, a sex how do you say it yeah saxophonist isn't it six Saxophonist. Saxophony guy? Yeah, one of those. <laughs> a saxophony. That's fantastic. The guy with the big thing doing the hooting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saxophonist. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. one. I knew that didn't feel right. Um, and he was like purist. You know, he was cool. He was a good friend. And we had, yeah. you know, he was in the band for a while. But um, uh, he was purist. And he, the whole idea of like stage clothes or posing for a photo or anything like that. Nope. All I want to focus on is playing. And yeah. we were doing a photo shoot or something. One of the problems that we had in this band was that all of us just had completely different looks. And there was nothing in sync about us. Like one guy was Canadian and he dressed like a hockey player. Yeah. You know, one guy dressed like Fred Durst for some reason. Um, and I was always into the kind of the quirky but black and all that kind of stuff. And then yeah. this guy had like the bad ponytail and the old woolen jumper and you <laughs> know and i was trying to get the guys like at least for the photos we need to sort of look like we're in the same band you know yeah. and this guy was going no nah, i don't care about that stuff that's all shallow you know um and i remember making the point to him 
I don't think I use the word brand, but you have a brand whether you like it or not. Um, you actually have to put a little bit of effort in to make sure that that brand authentically represents you, if that's what your goal is. Yeah. You know, because just turning up and whatever you fell out of bed in, I mean, that's which, which may be your brand, but that, maybe that is your brand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. It's your, yeah. Um, but but yeah, just just putting some thought process into it. It shouldn't be a big part of what your creative is about. But if mm. your goal is to actually, you know, stream it and get more and more people listening, then that does help. Yeah. I really appreciate your time today, and I think I managed to avoid um, all of the subjects on the list of things that Bobby told me not to bring up. Oh, um, cool, including Good. thumbs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when he sent that yep. email I had no idea what it was about so yep. I was just like I guess Bobby's just being really random and then yesterday he told me the, the story oh which, did he tell you which I know we can't talk about on here oh but. right yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, like, but it's probably another podcast that you could, we could do that would cover that sort of stuff but yeah, yeah. <laughs> how to effectively all end a board meeting I, would, I reckon would be would be quite a quite a, a well board meeting film. run by Christians who own the company and yeah, yeah what's yeah, exactly yeah. the wrong thing to say <laughs> <laughs> okay meeting over done <laughs> as soon as Bobby told me I'm like fuck it I'm gonna love this guy oh <laughs> uh, yeah definitely definitely mellowed down a lot since then so. yeah I hope not too much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome thanks for your time cool bro thanks for having me on you've been listening to Don't Give Up hosted by me Danny McCrum. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend and help us spread the word. We can have a good time together. And while you're at it, hit like, subscribe, leave a comment and a review. Let's grow this thing together. Thanks for listening.